premise that we've been working from over the last few weeks has been this. God has always desired and provided a place to meet man. And I don't mean generally, but I mean one-on-one, intimately in relationship. God has always desired that. And he, he created a garden. Then he created a man to put in the garden. And it was there that he met God. It was there that he walked in the garden with God. And he fellowship with God. And then we discovered the tabernacle as the children of Israel were roaming in the wilderness. God comes to Moses and gives him detailed instructions of how to build a meeting place where man could meet God. And his glory rested on that place. And they knew where God was. They knew where to go to meet God. They knew what was necessary to meet God there. Then they came into the promised land. God had promised Solomon or David that there would be a dwelling place for God, even though no single place could contain God's presence. He said, I want a place to abide. And he chose Solomon to do that. So he built the temple. And then because of Israel's disobedience and rejection of God, God withdrew his presence. And even after they built the next temple, God never dwelt there. And for 600 years, there was no place to meet God. There was no dwelling place for God. There was no abiding place for God. God continued to speak. He spoke through prophets all through that time and said, this is what's going to happen. But there was no place to meet God. And then we discovered two weeks ago, one comes on the scene and he says, get ready. Get ready. I'm here to prepare the way of the Lord. God's presence is coming. God's glory is coming again. And I'm here to prepare the people to receive that glory and that presence. And his name is John the Baptist. And then we find again that even though for 200 years, 600 years, the glory of God was never mentioned. The Ark of the Covenant was never mentioned. The Holy of Holies being the residing place of God was never mentioned. And after 600 years, the angels came to some shepherds in a field. And when they came, the glory of God manifested itself. And it says there's one here, he's here, who's going to bear this glory that resided in all of the other temples. He goes, the angel goes to Joseph after he finds out that the woman he's engaged to is pregnant. And he says, don't be afraid. This is me. This is God doing this. He will be called Emmanuel, God with us. So once again, the glory of God resides on the earth. Once again, the presence of God resides on the earth. And what God had desired all along, all of the symbolism, all of the types, all of the shadows became consummated in this one new temple. But it threw them. Because it wasn't a temple made of stone. 
It wasn't a building made of rocks. It was a man. That's what God was after all along. That the glory of God would abide in people. Next week, we're going to look at the book of John. Because the book of John is the book that repeatedly emphasizes the glory and the presence of God being here. But before we do that, I want to read something to you. And this is all I'm going to do this morning except give you homework. This is what the Apostle Paul thought about this one who was come, who had come to bear the glory of God. Okay? This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about the one who came to bear the glory of God. I want you to just listen to it, all right? Now, I, I emailed these verses <laughs> to Steve this morning. He's going to email them out to everyone else. I'm not going to give you chapter and verse. I'm going to read it right through, okay? And I want you to listen to Paul's perspective of this new temple of God, this new meeting place, this new place where man met God and what he thought about this person. Listen to this. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. Graduates, get that. We exist from him, for him. We don't exist to have a job. We don't exist to make money. We don't exist to become successful. We don't exist to become a mother. We don't exist to become a father. We don't, ex- we don't exist to have a ministry. We exist for him. That's why we exist. From whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. We exist through him. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In this case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen to that again. He has blinded them, not so that they'll believe the right thing, not so that they'll have the right information, but the God of this world has blinded them so that 
that will not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Listen, he has not only blinded the world to that, in many cases, he has blinded believers to that. We have forgotten that the reality of what we are about is we exist for the Father through the Son. That's why we're here. It's not for anything else. And the reason we have missed that is because we have allowed the enemy to blind us to the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. How wonderful he is. How magnificent he is. We just kind of take it for granted. That's the enemy. The enemy doesn't want us to see that this glory that was in the tabernacle, this glory that was in the temple, this glory that God talks about, he doesn't want us to know that that glory is in Christ. Because if we see Christ, Christ, if we see that, then he becomes more important to us than anything else on the face of the earth. If we come to understand that's where we meet God in Christ. We don't meet him anywhere else. We meet him in Christ. But he can blind us to the glory that's revealed in Christ. <clears throat> so that we might not, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Now, where does Christ live here? What is God about doing? He is about revealing, shining the lights in our heart so that we personally can have the knowledge of the glory of God that's in Christ, the value of Christ and where he lives and what he does inside of us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. What's he before? All things. He's before everything. Listen, the solution was here before the problem ever arrived. He is here before all things. He was here before man sinned in the garden as the means of salvation for the man who had not yet sinned. He is here before all things. He's here before your problem arises. The solution is here before the problem shows up. 
Where are we looking for the solution? If we look anywhere else, we're going to miss it. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. That's what he's working. He's working in us. He's working in us that he might come to be first above everything else. The quicker we cooperate with that, the quicker the reality that the solution is here before the problem will touch our heart. That he might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. All the fullness of who? God. All the fullness of God to dwell in him. All of the fullness of God was in him. When he walked on the face of the earth, all of the fullness of God was in him. And in the same way that the tabernacle and the temple were the places that you meet God, now then the place that you meet God is in him. It's in him. Because he, the fullness of God, is in him. And through him, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, were the things on earth or things in heaven. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Get that. Think of this picture. The temple is there, been destroyed, been rebuilt, but God's not there. Well, where is God? Well, he's over here walking around. And we're still going through the activities like he was here. Still making sacrifices, still doing all of that when he's here. He's here. All of the fullness of deity dwells in him. And in him, you have been made complete. He is the head over all rule and authority. Yet for this reason, I found mercy. So that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now, to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. For there is one God and one mediator between God and the man, Christ Jesus. One mediator. Where's the mediator? Who can go to God for me? One person. How do I get to God? Through one person. Through one person. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. 
I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. And then I'm going to give you a few verses out of Hebrews. Mr. Joe Zemanek, some of you didn't know him. He was an, he was one of the elders whenever I first came here. Loved Hebrews. He had a Sunday school class, and he loved teaching out Hebrews. In coming to go over and to study this concept of meeting God, Hebrews has taken on a whole new picture. Okay? Let me tell you what Hebrews is. Hebrews is all about where and how to meet God. It's all about where and how we used to meet God. And it is all about where and how we meet God now. But the whole thing is detailed of how and where to meet God. And the question is still relevant. Where do I meet God? How do I meet God? And so he writes this in Hebrews. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. How did he used to speak to us? Through the prophets and many ways, different ways. Used a donkey to speak to us. Used a burning bush to speak to us. But he says, how does he speak to us now? He speaks to us in his son. How did we used to meet God? In the temple, in the tabernacle, in the bush, by the mule, I mean, whatever. How did we used to meet God? How do we meet God now in his son? God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And listen to this. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Where is God? He says, he's in my son. The exact radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature abides in his son. And they completely missed that when he was here for the most part. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things 
by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. One of the places, and you remember, one of the places where we met God, first place where it was dramatic and traumatic, is in the desert. Moses goes up to the mountain, meets God. God says, I want you to go back down and prepare the people to meet me. So he goes down and he tells them, and they're on board. Yes, bring it on. We want to meet him. want to hear him. want to see him. want to walk with him. We'll do whatever he says. Sign us up. Where do we rededicate? We're there. Let's go. And then there were these thunders. Then there was this trembling. Then there was these clouds. And there was this lightning, and they said, nah, not so much. You go. You go. Find out what he's got to say and come back and tell him. And then there was the temple. Solomon went through all this detail to build the temple. And whenever they can finish completing the temple, the glory of God as fire, as smoke settled on the holy place, to the degree that the priest couldn't even minister. How we used to meet God and where we used to meet God. Now listen to this. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. That's how we did. That's how they met. And they heard that, and they heard the trumpet, and they heard the thunder, and they saw the fire, and they heard the rumble from God speaking, and they said, no, we don't want that. Mount Sinai. He says, no more. How cool. No more. No more. For they could not bear the command. The command was, even if a beast touches the mountain, it'll be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. No more. No more. But listen. But you have come to Mount Zion. Not Mount Sinai, Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. We don't have the mountain. There is not the fear. There is not the trembling. There is not the rumbling. There is not the trumpets. And there is not the response that says, no, we don't want to hear that anymore. But he says, you've come to Mount Zion. Because now we have a mediator that stands between you and the rumbling and the thunder and the trumpets and the sounds. And he brings to you the voice 
of the Father. And that's where we meet God. The meeting place of God is no longer a a place. It is a person. Where do we meet God? We meet God in Christ. Jesus went to the well. The woman was at the well. The Samaritan woman was there, and he began to talk to her. And, you know, she said, man, you're telling me things I didn't know about. And he said, uh, you know, if you drink this water, you're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink the water that I bring, you'll never get thirsty. And she said, well, give me that water. And he says, well, go get your husband. He said, well, I don't have a husband. She said, yeah, you're right. And he said, the one you're with now is not your husband. You've been with five of them. And he said, oh, how do you know that? Finally, she says to him, you must be a prophet. And she says to him, you know, it's been said, you people say worship in this mountain. We say worship in this mountain. We say worship, in, you know, over here. And Jesus responds. The time is coming when you don't worship in the mountain anymore. The time is coming where you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to paraphrase that. This is just my twisted mind, if you will. I think Jesus could have easily said, you don't worship there anymore. You worship here in spirit and truth. This is where you meet God. This is where you touch him. This is where you know him. And all of Hebrews and all of these verses are all saying, we have this wonderful expression of God. He's not just a part. He is the fullness of God. And he has come to dwell with us. And there's no need to take that posture of fear and trembling. Because he is the one who mediates and prays for us. And we meet God in Christ. We're almost there almost there. What I want you to do is take these verses that we're going to email out and go over them. Then I want you to look through John, the book of John. Just read through it. And look at all the instances where Jesus expresses the glory of the Father. And then notice what happens, right? Because there's more. There's even more. I mean, how much more could there be after Jesus? There's more. There's just more Jesus. So where do we meet God? We meet God in Jesus. We don't meet God in a place. Well, I want to meet God wherever I want to meet God. Good luck. God says, I live in one place. I live in a person. I live in a person. I live in Jesus. Only one mediator. Only one who can stand between man and me, and that's Jesus. Only one is a full expression of deity. Only one is the exact representation of my nature. Only one is the fullness of my glory. Only one. It's not a place. It's a person. It's a person. It's in Jesus. You say that sounds awfully narrow-minded. Well, I didn't say that. I'm just repeating what I've heard. So take it up with God if you have an issue about it. Okay? 
All right, this has been good. It's going to get better. Right, any questions? Any observations? What did you hear? Listen, this is who I am. This is my heart. This is what I live for. To see you and others come to meet God and to fellowship with Him and in the world. That's everything I'm about. I have no more eggs and no more baskets. This is it. So my passion is to somehow find out how to impart to you how does the light of the glory of Christ come on in your heart and see the reality of him who he is. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we just overwhelmed by the revelation of your son. And that you deposited the fullness of who you were, who you are in him. And that you're bringing us back to the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Work in our hearts Turn the lights on. Let us see what we've been blinded to. Let us see what we've been distracted from. Let us see what we've missed. That the reality of who Christ is would be manifest in his body. And we praise you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name.